Welcome to my podcast, The Cross in the Desert, Speaking Hope and Freedom to Iran. I'm your host, Randy L. Noble, and I want to say specially thank you so much for taking time out of your busy life to join me on this important podcast today. I have been taking a very detailed chronological look at the book of Revelation, the major events, and how what's happening today in our world is a precursor or a shadow of those events to come. Now, what's important about this study is that you follow along closely to each podcast. If you haven't, go back to the list here and listen to the previous podcasts so that you can understand exactly where we are in our chronological study and what is happening. Now, this is not just a lot of information to throw at you. This is very detailed, important, prophetic teaching of what God's Word says in the most misunderstood book in the world, but God promises to bless you. If you read it and listen to it, the book of Revelation can be understood. It is powerful. It is majestic. It features our sovereign Lord Jesus Christ in all of his glory and his second coming again to establish his kingdom and millennial reign upon the earth. Now, on this particular podcast, we are beginning the last three and a half years of the Great Tribulation. There's a difference between the first and the last. The first three and a half years is just the Tribulation period that begins when the Antichrist confirms a peace treaty with Israel and her neighbors. That gets the clock ticking on the seven-year period found in Daniel chapter 9, verse 27. But where we are right now, we are at the beginning of the last three and a half years, and it's called the Great tribulation that Jesus called it in Matthew 24. We're going to begin today in Matthew chapter 24, the great Olivet Discourse that Jesus gave in response to the question of the disciples, what is the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And Jesus has been answering that with about kingdom rising up against kingdom, nation against nation, false prophets earthquakes, etc. We're beginning today in Matthew chapter 24, verses 15 through 21. Jesus says, Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand, quote, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who was on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house, and let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. And pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath, for then will be great tribulation, such has not been since the beginning of the world, until this time no nor ever shall be. I want to make a side note observation. Matthew chapter 24, this section of scripture is not 
talking about the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem in AD 70 by the Roman armies. Why? Before Jesus answers the question or questions of his disciples, a couple of verses earlier, Jesus says, your house, your temple is left unto you desolate. He is talking about not one stone will be left. That is the reference to AD 70 before he answers the questions here in Matthew 24. Just go back to the end of Matthew 23. You will see the context that this, what he is talking about, is yet future. I'm sorry that the preterists try to put everything into AD 70. It doesn't work. The language of Scripture says the whole earth, the whole world, not Jerusalem and Israel alone, but the whole world is involved in the judgments and the wrath of God. But what for our purposes today, coming back, Matthew 24 here is a very important footnote on what is going to happen at the beginning of the last three and a half years. God is directing in this particular teaching, he's directing his people, the Jewish people, to flee to the mountains of the city of Petra. Now, when are they told to flee? Notice, when you hear or see the abomination of desolation in the rebuilt temple, what does that mean? The Antichrist, who's come on the scene as this great man of peace with this great confirmation of peace treaty at the end of the three and a half years the beginning of the last part of that great tribulation he walks into the rebuilt temple and second thessalonians chapter 2 says he sits down desecrates the temple declares himself to be god almighty the antichrist is saying worship me Well, that's what Jesus means when he says the abomination of desolation. You are to get out. You are to flee. Now, God takes about four million of his chosen Jewish people to the great city of Petra, where for the last three and a half years, they will be protected by God himself. Let's look at Revelation chapter 12, verse 6. Then the woman fled into the wilderness, that is Israel, where she has a place prepared by God that they should feed her there 1,260 days. I have prepared a place for you, God says to his chosen people. This is specifically designed for the protection of the Jewish people for 1,260 days or during the great tribulation, those last three and one half years. God is sovereignly taking care of his people. Now, I say that he's taking care of his people sovereignly because we have to understand something. It is the Lord God omnipotent almighty that is in control of this world. The Antichrist thinks he's in control. In other words, the satanic trinity Satan, the Antichrist, and the false prophet believe they've got the whole show, that they're in control, but no, they are not. I'm going to show you why. It's very important to understand this principle that God, the sovereign Lord of the universe, only allows things to happen. He's in control. Let's look at Revelation 13. I'm going to prove this point to you and talk about some other issues that we need to know in this last three and a half years.
Revelation 13, verse 1, And I saw a beast rising out of the sea with ten horns and seven heads, with ten diadems on its horns and blasphemous names on its heads. And the beast that I saw was like a leopard. Its feet were like a bear's, and its mouth was like a lion's mouth. And to it the dragon gave his power and his throne and great authority. One of his heads seemed to have a mortal wound, but its mortal wound was healed. And the whole earth marveled as they followed the beast. And they worshipped the dragon, for he had given his authority to the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast, and who can fight against it? And the beast was given a mouth, uttering haughty and blasphemous words, and it was allowed to exercise authority for 42 months. It opened its mouth to utter blasphemies against God, blaspheming his name and his dwelling, that is, those who dwell in heaven. Also, it was allowed to make war on the saints and conquer them. And authority was given in over every tribe and people and language and nation, and all who dwell on the earth will worship it. Everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of the life of the Lamb who was slain. Notice it was allowed, is said twice in this verse. God allows under his sovereign control what the Antichrist does is not his own purposes for his own glory. He thinks he's in control, but God is allowing him to do certain things. And I want you to understand that as you go through this teaching. Now, the beast, it says, rises out of the sea. The sea here is referring to the sea of Gentile humanity, not the literal sea. This is a revived Roman Empire. The beast who is assembling ten hordes, seven heads. He's putting together a coalition of ten nations. Each nation has a crown that is a ruler. Now, what's interesting is this coalition of nations takes place in about the vicinity of the European Union. He is a Gentile. He comes up out of the Gentile Sea of Humanity and he assembles or puts together this coalition of ten nations. The Bible says here he's empowered or possessed by Satan. And again, God allows the Antichrist to make war on the saints. He allows him to have worldwide dominion, but he puts a hook in his mouth. He does that for a reason. You know God doesn't just give him total reign of the earth. He allows him to have worldwide worship and dominion, this new world order, this new world religion, because God wants to bring his world under submission through what the Antichrist does because he wants to speak to his people, his world. God is bringing good out of the evil of the work of the Antichrist to accomplish his purposes. He proves he is the sovereign, almighty God, and not the satanic trinity. Well, after the abomination of desolation, the Antichrist now leaves Israel, and he goes to the literal city of Babylon to conduct business for the last three and a half years. In Revelation chapter 18, verse 3, it says, For all nations have drunk the wine of the passion of her 
sexual immorality and the kings of the earth have committed immorality with her and the merchants of the earth have grown rich from the power of her luxurious living it's important now to understand in these last three and a half years the antichrist goes to the actual city of babylon he puts together in the city of babylon a political economic and governmental power Now, what's important about this teaching is that some would understand that the city of Babylon was destroyed. No, as we look at scripture, the city of Babylon was never destroyed. The Babylonian Empire was, but not the city. You can find that in Isaiah chapters 13 through 14, in Jeremiah chapter 50 through 51. Babylon is located in Iraq on the shores of the Euphrates River. If you remember in your biblical history, the term Babylon is associated with the Tower of Babel that was built by Nimrod. We see that in Genesis chapter 11, verse 4. Now, in the history of Scripture, the Babylonian Empire was a major empire, and the king Nebuchadnezzar took the Jewish people into captivity to the actual city of Babylon, Jeremiah chapter 25, verses 9 through 14. We also see in Daniel chapter 5, verses 31, 30 through 31, that the Babylonian empire came to an end. God brought down that empire, but the city of Babylon was not destroyed. Now, how do I know that? 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 13, the apostle Peter talked about starting his church in the actual city of Babylon. And we know from just history, the last 30 years ago, Saddam Hussein tried to rebuild the actual city of Babylon. He got as far as constructing the Ishtar Gate. You can see pictures of that. And today, the government of Iraq is currently rebuilding this city. So it's an important city that is in Revelation chapter 18, where the Antichrist will set up headquarters with this economic, governmental, and political power. All the merchants of the earth will benefit from this. The kings of the earth will commit immorality in this city. And this is one of the reasons why God is so furious and why Babylon falls, but that's not the only reason. Because in the past, the Babylonian Empire took the Jews into captivity. And there's a very clear principle of Scripture in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, that those who bless Israel will be blessed, but those who curse Israel will be cursed. And that's why God is so angry with the city of Babylon. Now, in this beginning part of the last three and a half years of the Great Tribulation, we go back to Revelation chapter 13, verses 11 through 14, and see what the false prophet is up to. Well, he has put together a ministry of lying, signs, wonders, and false miracles, drawing in people that don't use any discernment. That's why you got to be careful about any ministry that focuses on signs, wonders, and miracles because it doesn't mean it sources God all the time because the false prophet will deceive the world with lying signs, wonders, and false miracles. Verse 15 says he delegates for the image of the beast to be constructed. There's a literal image of the beast that's going to be made in Jerusalem. He's going to cause that image to speak. 
Well, the technology is certainly there for some kind of deception like that. Now, it's also stated here in Revelation 13 that everyone will be killed if they refuse to worship this image of the beast in Jerusalem. Verses 16 through 18, all are given at this time an economic mark on the right hand or forehead. Verse 17, no one can buy or sell without the mark, the mark of the beast, number 666, which is the number of man associated with the Antichrist. This is what's happening at the beginning of the last three and a half years of the Great Tribulation. But I have a question for you. What are you going to do in response to what is going to happen in this incredible book? Have you come to terms with God? The Bible says all of us have sinned and fall short of God's glory. We have broken his holy law. But God showed mercy to all of us in sending his son over 2,000 years ago to be the sinless sin bearer, to take our wrath and our punishment and our place and rise again. If you have never confessed Jesus as Lord and Savior, it is so important right now because the very next event on God's timetable is the pre-tribulation rapture of the church. I want you to be ready. I want you to know the Lord of glory. I want you to know him as Lord and Savior. He is the only way of salvation. He is a loving Savior that wants to change your heart and mind and give you a beautiful relationship with the God of the universe. I want to thank you so much for spending time with me today as we have looked at what happens at the beginning of the last three and a half years of the Great Tribulation. God bless you. Have a great week, and I will see you on my next podcast, The Cross in the Desert.